This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 123. And joining me once again, as always, is my wonderful and quite confused co-host at the moment, Mr. Michael Dorinda. Michael's everything okay over there? You look like you're concerned. He's mute. He's not doing it. He's not there. There we go. There we go. I, I don't know. I was I was watching the the uh the waveform uh-huh. in my audio recorder and it was just like this flat tapering sound no, and good. I didn't know where it was coming from. So I had to not say anything and stop and then restart my recording so that I got the, the beginning of the conversation and now it's it's all where it needs to be. It's so all, hello. It's all keen. I'm here. I'm here. Good. Good, good, good. It's keen as mustard. Keen as mustard. Done and dusted, as they say in Aussie land. That's not even done that's not even dusted. the correct context in which I should be using that. I actually had to look that up. You said done and dusted one time and I was like, what does that mean? So I had to go look it up. Yeah. You know what done and dusted means? Done you know, and you know what the etymology Done and dusted. Is? Oh, I don't know the etymology of any of the things that I say. I just say them because that's what you say in the times that you say. Did them. I tell you? Did I tell everybody this the other day that I got to have the privilege of hearing you talk to another Australian the other day? Did I tell everybody that? You did. I think we were talking about it on the other podcast. Our other podcast. Yeah, it was yeah. hilarious, though. There was so many, <laughs> so many Aussie Australianisms, and colloquialisms. Yeah, all in one, when, one short conversation. It was pretty funny. When it was announced that I was going to speak at the Laravel meetup and I messaged Matt Stauffer after I had been working on the the presentation for a little while and I was 132 slides in and my first pass at sort of going through what I'd done so far was at 15 minutes and you did the maths being the math teacher that you are and said that I was on average seven seconds per slide. I said to Matt, I'm going to give you a run for your money, but I think Jake's the only person that's actually going to be able to keep up with that pace. Uh-huh. But I think true story. It seems fast, but you've you've seen a recording of it now where mm-hmm. I'm at and and sort of the context of it. I think the cadence feels about right. It does. No, you're for sure right. And yeah. The fact the fact that I'm getting through the slides at seven seconds is not that I'm presenting a lot of information, but it's that my slides are very condensed. And I'm a big believer in having slides that have very little on them so that people can just see that and this is like the key thing that you want to take away from the message that's coming from the words because you don't want people sitting there and reading slides i i never enjoy seeing presentations where i'm trying to read 100 what's on the slide yeah whilst the person because you can't you're going to tune one or the other out you're either going to tune out the presenter because you're you're trying to read what's on the slides or you're going to tune out the slides because you're wanting to try and keep up with what the presenter's saying. So yeah, a I lot agree. of my slides have got one, two, three, four words on them. Or, or, or in some cases or a lot of cases, just a single emoji. Yeah, there's like six slides in a row, which is I'm telling a story with emoji. Yeah, yep, it's true. No, I love it, man. I'm a big fan. And I think you're right. Like the format in which you want to write a lot of material is a blog. That's a blog post, right? And when you're actually speaking, mm-hmm. the a big you know the big advantage you have when you're speaking is the speaker's right there. So like their expressions and the words that they're saying are was what you should be paying attention to, not so much the slides. Of course, that makes the slide deck a little less useful on the other side of it, but that's okay. That's okay. 
I've never really. Yeah, and I think in this really context, to... it'll be fine because the the presentations are recorded. Yeah, so correct. it's easy right, to get right. the context from. You know, people ask for slides and things like that, and you're not going to get much out of these slides. Correct. There, lots of slides have got like cron expression. Like it's just a slide that has a cron expression on it, and it doesn't mean anything yeah. without the the notes and the and the story that goes along with it. So the the slides for me are just a support of the story that I'm telling or the the information that I'm getting across and things like that. And I think. It's digestible enough that you can go back and you can you can glean the information from the slides and and pick up the rest from the actual story that that I'm trying to tell. So anyway, that's a uh, four minutes of of this podcast about Laravel news that has been spent <laughs> talking about my future. I was going to give my sob story about picking up a couch tonight, but I'll I'll save it. Maybe you put that an extra at the end. It's quite the story. Yeah, yeah it was a day today, man. Whew. Okay, I'll talk about it later. Anyway, hey, let's jump right into it. So we've got releases, we've got news, lots of news today, some packages and tutorials as always. So we will start right at the top with 7.19 being released. So they, this was released on July, let's see, it would have been the 9th. It would have been July 7th. Okay, so it was released on July 7th with new scheduler frequency shortcuts, conditionally appending attributes to API resources and a new stringable when method. So let's start with the scheduler frequency shortcuts. So if you've not used Scheduler before, this is in your uh, console slash kernel.php. And uh, what you can do there is you can actually schedule jobs to be run on a certain uh, schedule. That's why it would be called Scheduler, right? Um, so they're really common sense strings like run this command every 10 minutes or every five minutes or every minute or every Monday or whatever. And there's been a couple new frequency shortcuts uh, that have been added. Every two hours, every three hours, every four hours, and every six hours. So these provide readable shortcuts instead of using cron expressions, which is what you would have had to do before in order to get these uh, particular run schedules. So uh, that's one item, conditionally returning appended attributes in API resources. So what you have on a model is you'll typically have like this append array that you can add. And what that will do is when you are doing two array, on um, your model or doing, uh, like if you're just like serializing it, it will append these particular attributes to the rest of the attributes that are uh, that are being um, returned. So for instance, if you have like a computed value, if you're using like a accessor or something like that, and you want to make sure that that gets appended as uh, part of your payload, you'll have to put that into the appends uh, array there, which is an attribute on the uh, on the model. But Jess Archer contributed a when appended method for API resources to append attributes conditionally. So there's a couple examples taken from the contributed tests. Uh, I don't know if I really want to read it on. It's it's kind of a difficult thing to read on air. We've talked about this a million times before. But there's there's the ability to conditionally append particular attributes based on a truthy value, right? Uh, so if that sounds interesting or like something you might be able to use, go ahead and check that out. Uh, that'll be in the show notes. We also have this scheduled task failed event. So uh, Frank van der Herten contributed a scheduled task failed event that will fire when a scheduled task fails. So this previously was not in place, obviously, which is why he uh, contributed it. But being that this does fire, you now can do particular things based on when this event uh, gets fired. Uh, you could give yourself a Slack alert uh, or an email or something like that because typically these would fail silently unless there was something that was alerting your error monitor like Sentry or Bugsnag or what, what have you. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also this stringable when method. So uh, there was this idea of stringables introduced in Laravel 7, where you get this really nice fluent API with all the different methods that you've been familiar with uh, in, the, in the past, where we used to have like str underscore contains or whatever. And then we kind of moved that to str colon colon. So using the facade in place of that. And now we have this these stringables. And so a new uh, method was added to that Fluent API, which is when. So it will conditionally run some stringable code when uh, this particular thing is true. So you can check that out in the show notes. Also for a code example there, you can see full release notes for 7.19 on GitHub. And then there is also in uh, the blog post here, uh, some notes directly from the change log as well. So that's 7.19, some good stuff there. That's literally all we have for releases because we covered 7.18 last week, so no problems. Uh, But we also have plenty of news to talk about. So Mr. Dorinda, we've got this SQL Ace MySQL client. Uh, What's this thing all about? SQL Ace is the sequel to the longtime uh, favorite macOS tool, SQL Pro. It was a popular go-to application for a lot of developers to manage MySQL and MariaDB databases. And SQL Ace takes the torch as a fork of that application, which was itself a fork of Cocoa MySQL. SQL Pro became a little bit unstable with the last release of macOS. It was frequently crashing for a lot of developers and heaps of people started looking at other things, whether they were looking at um, data grip or using the the JetBrains tools that are built into the PHP Storm or or even Table Plus, which is what I switched to. Um, And so... SQL Pro kind of fell uh, fell along the wayside, but recently um, Jacob Kashpar opened an issue on the SQL Pro repo and had basically said, after months of complete inactivity on the project and months, years without any release, the time has come and the community has taken over and forked SQL Pro. So this is the 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 SQL Pro that a lot of us are familiar with and that we've used for a long time, but it's been picked up and it's being actively developed and maintained again. Um, and you can grab it either from the Mac App Store. You can install it from um, Brew you, with it through the kegs there and things like that. Um, but hopefully, it'll bring back that simple um, and and really quite useful interface. Table Plus can be a little bit overwhelming. It does a lot of things differently and a lot of things I think nicer than what SQL Pro did, uh, particularly around staging changes and things like that. If you're if you're heaven forbid, making changes to production data like I do from time to time, being able to like sort of line them all up and and review them and then commit them in one step Mm -hmm. rather than like making individual inserts. It's it's really nice. But if if SQL Pro was was your jam and and it was sufficient for your needs, it's it's good that it's been picked up again and and you can grab that as well from from an active maintenance perspective as well. So we'll have links to SQL Ace in the show notes for you my dog is trying to rip up my new couch teddy get down he just looks at me like what who do you think you are trying to tell me just, get off this just couch? adding just adding to the pain of the of the new couch he, he literally is just like, he's like pawing at it like scratching it i'm like what are you doing dog what, what are you doing it's also like 11 30 at night and he's like i'm sleeping by this time usually what are you doing up okay anyway <laughs> moving on uh we have got this new match expression which is coming to php Eight. Um, 
I actually am really thankful that Paul covers this sort of stuff, like the up and coming things. This is always get, it always gets me excited to adopt these new versions of PHP, which is sometimes like the little boost I need to like stay on the train of of staying at the latest. So right now we're on like seven four. All of our stuff is on seven four, which is really great. It's nice to be able to use all the newest features, but. PHP 8 is coming down the line. So uh, the match expression version 2 RFC has passed and it targets the stable release of PHP version 8.0. So the RFC still will leave some room for future improvement, in which there are some notes in the RFC that talk about what those future improvements are going to be. But for now, we get single line expressions that provide a clean terse syntax for matching expressions. So what does that mean? Well, if you've ever used a switch statement, uh, that's kind of what we're talking about. So typically with a switch statement, you have switch and then within parentheses, you have some value that you're going to be looking at and trying to match it against some conditions. So you'll have switch in parentheses, the value and then bracket. And then you'll have uh, a case, a value that you're looking for, and then some statement inside there and then a break. And then another match that you're looking for and then a statement and then a break. And then another match you're looking for and a statement and a break. And then maybe eventually a default. Um, now this worked fine. Like we've probably all used switch statements, but there were some inherent like pitfalls that were in there as well. Things such as, uh, if you forgot a break statement, it would fall through the list. Mm-hmm. And so it would sometimes return really unexpected results. Uh, also like if, if you didn't have like a default value, uh, it would have this, it, it had some weird behavior there as well. So this really hopes to, or attempts to fix some of those pitfalls that were present with the switch statement and also gives you some, uh, it's, it's really, it looks very nice. Um, and of course, like just looking nice, isn't like the most important thing, but I, I think it's a cleaner syntax. Um, and so yeah. it, you have a match instead of switch now. Uh, which then you pass it again in the parentheses, some some uh, statement that you're evaluating. And then uh, you simply have, instead of a case and then on a new line after a colon, all your code, you just have a fat arrow and then your statement. So it's almost like a short closure sort of deal, right? How you do like yeah. function, prints, for, you know, fat arrow. And so again, it's, it's a little bit difficult to do it justice uh, without actually looking at the code itself. Uh, but it looks very clean. And the other piece that's really nice about it is it will, uh, let me see here. I'm trying to remember where, where he talks about it. The assignment is nice. That's it. That's with, what I meant. With the switch. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. With the switch statement, you have to do the whole block where it's switch and then the thing that you're testing and then the case and then the, the block and then the break and all of that kind of stuff. Yep. And so if you wanted to evaluate or if you wanted to return the evaluated statement or something, you would have to do it within each case. So you'd have to say, you know, dollar statement equals this inside each one. Whereas with the match expression, you can do dollar statement equals, and then you can just return something from that in order to assign some value to a variable using a match statement. So it really helps you to condense and clean up. There are still places where you're going to use a switch statement where you're doing things, you know, that that, that are beyond single lines. But for situations where you're doing these really small terse inline effectively case statements the the match will be a much nicer solution than than doing a full-blown switch yeah 100 it sort of feels like the difference between like collection pipelines and like a, a, a for each over an array you know we're in like a for each you'd have yeah. the, you'd have those temporary variable assignments and then you'd kind of like uh, you have it all assembled mm-hmm. at the end right whereas with like with a collection pipeline you just set the assignment at the beginning and then whatever happens at the end of the collection it's just assigned to that variable that's sort of what it feels like to me 
so yeah, it, it's it, the match uh, is an expression that you can capture the value via assignment, or you can return without having to assign a local variable if you want to as well. There's no accidental fall through when you forget a break as part of a switch case. Uh, a missing condition and no default being provided results in a unhandled match error exception, which I would much rather have an exception in that case than have some weird behavior that I wasn't aware was happening. Uh, here's the other interesting yeah. thing about this. So if you ever wanted to have the same behavior for multiple matches, you'd have to define that multiple times, right? So if you wanted the case of one and the case of two to do the same thing, you'd have to define both cases, but just have them return the same thing on both of them, right? Um, no, no. I mean, I suppose you, you could do like one or you two. You can have, you can do case, you know, one colon and then case two colon on two separate lines as, and that would be Because one of the statement. fall through. Yeah, because of the fall through. Right. Without the break. Correct. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but in this, so it's, a, it's a bit more explicit now where you could say like one comma two or a comma B or whatever. Like it's nicer that you can, it, it's more visual and, and concise and clear yeah. and all that good stuff. Man, that it we always, like to, didn't it always feel dangerous to kind of use that fall through as like a mechanism for, for <laughs> correct behavior. I was always scared about nah. that. No, <laughs> nah. Michael. You're just that guy who like Mr. Commando over here, like just make it happen. Just do it. Yeah. Just so, make it happen. I don't have time to to worry about that kind of stuff. Funny. Just make it happen. That's funny. So um uh so with this, you could just separate uh multiple matches with a comma. So if you wanted to hit it to match one and two, you could say uh one, comma, two, and then fat arrow, and then whatever you wanted to return from that. Uh so again, you can start using that uh on November twenty-sixth, twenty twenty, which is when PHP eight general availability is released. Uh, so you can check that out later this year. You can also see the match expression version 2 RFC for further details on the new syntax. Very cool. Okay, talk to us about Laravel Playground. This is an awesome new tool. Yeah, speaking of very cool, Laravel Playground is a new free service from Beyond Code. So that's Marcel, Posiot, and Co. That allows you to try out Laravel Code directly in your browser. You get full IDE auto completion and can quickly try out all of Laravel's features and even includes popular Laravel packages. So you can quickly try out things like the debug bar or get started writing your first LiveWire component. In the official announcement, Marcel goes on to describe how this works. Laravel Playground is a sandbox for your Laravel code and the spiritual successor of Tinkerwell Web. Laravel Playground makes it easy to quickly tinker with any PHP and Laravel code right in your browser. You can embed it in your blog, in a documentation site, or website easily. While the code for Tinkerwell Web was running entirely in the browser, Laravel Playground is running your code on actual servers. This allows you to quickly try out features such as request validation, multiple Laravel routes, and even LiveWire components. Um, So essentially, you write your Laravel code, uh, you generate an embed and you throw it into a blog or you link to it in a Laracast forum post or you link to it in a in a merge request or a uh, an issue on the Laravel framework. It allows you to quickly spin up specific testable reproducible cases for issues that you're having and provide that as, as support, as documentation, as instructional materials for your blog. Uh, there's there's so many cool use cases for it. It's it's incredibly powerful, and really, you can just drop this anywhere, and it'll and it'll run your um, Laravel code directly in there. You've got IntelliSense powered by the IntelliFence plugin. Um, it's it's a really cool tool, and uh, kudos. I, I I refer to him often as a Laravel savant, and he and he really is. Marcel does all kinds of weird and wonderful and creative things to to really give us some amazing tools. Yeah, I agree. Like this feels like, you know, like with CodePen, 
like if I ever need to like quickly test an idea, I'll just like go to CodePen real quick. But of course, that's like HTML, JavaScript, yeah. CSS sort of stuff. And uh, they mm-hmm. have a lot of like presets to kind of get started quickly. So it's like, okay, I want to pull in, you know, back in the day, it was like, I want to pull in jQuery or now it's like, you know, I want to pull in view and I want to pull in Lodash. And I want to pull in these couple things, these libraries that I need. And then I can save that and share that and embed it in a couple different places and quickly give an idea of what it is that I'm trying to say by expressing it in code, right? And that was always something difficult to do in PHP. You just like, okay, I link to a gist, but now you have to go put that into your own code editor. Like, how does that work? And you got to mm-hmm. install these composer packages. And it was just, you know, I don't know. It just didn't feel great. So like, this is a solution for that. Yeah. So I, I think you'll see a lot of use on this specif- specifically on blog posts, um, uh, but also, you know, maybe on like something like a Stack Overflow. That happens a lot too, where people be like, oh, well, you know, this is sort of the situation in which you're in. Here's how I would fix that. So uh, yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool. And uh, like you said, uh, Marcel just does a great job with this stuff. So support him as much as you can in any way yeah. you can. He's got lots of products totally. out there. Give him some love. Go buy some of his stuff. And um, then you get to enjoy all his free stuff with a with a good conscience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Absolutely. Okay, so we have a post here from July 13th that says the first Laravel Worldwide Meetup is this week. And it was on July 14th as of uh, 18 UTC. So uh, that's already over mm-hmm. in case you weren't aware. Um, the YouTube channel has it, uh, however, and the first speakers were Joseph Silber and Mohammed Saeed. So Joseph uh, Silber has been a longtime uh, Laravel contributor, and his talk was on doing more with less lazy collections in Laravel. So this was a deep dive into lazy collections, learning what they are, how they work under the hood, and how to use them to vastly inc- uh, decrease your app's memory footprint. So Joseph's been talking about these for a long time and actually has contributed a lot to the, to the uh, Laravel code base with these lazy collections. We've talked about them quite a few times in the show as well, uh, but his talk is a great comprehensive overview of kind of like what they are and how they can be used. And then Mohammed Saeed is uh, employee number one for Laravel. He's been working with Taylor for a couple of years now, and he talks about the power of Laravel queues. So he walks through some cool features of Laravel queue that make it really, really powerful. I think we've talked about this as well, which if you haven't used Laravel queues yet, they really are quite a foundational element of Laravel. Uh, so if you're just getting started and you're not really sure what they, what the queues are, or or how they could be of use in your app, definitely check this talk out. It starts with a simple background task and they progress their way through to more complex workflows. So uh, Muhammad does a great job on that. So uh, and in addition to that, we have another uh, meetup coming up, which is going to be on August 25th, 2020. Uh, and on our list for that one is going to be Neo Iga, Igodoro. Is that right? Michael, I know you've said his name before. but Neo Iodaro. Igodaro. Yeah, and uh, so he's... Um, He's been a member of the Laravel community for probably the last year and a half, two years. I know he's been on the Laravel podcast with Matt Stoffer. Long time. Yeah. yeah, he's been around for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, he's doing some awesome stuff. And then also this guy, I'm not, let's see here. My, Michelle Dairaninda. Dairaninda? <laughs> Michael Dairaninda. Oh, Michael Dairaninda. Yeah, that's, that's right. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold on. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's Michael Dorinda. So our, our good friend and co-host, Michael Dorinda, he's shaking his head like you jerk. So uh, Michael's talking about staying punctual with scheduled tasks. We're excited to hear that one. I'm so stoked. I get an early preview. I'm, I'm really excited. That's fun. And of course, yeah. hosted by uh, our good friend, uh, Freak uh, Vanderhurten. So yeah, very cool. Uh, but uh, check those YouTube videos out. I'm looking forward to the next one coming out on August 25th. Yeah, it'll be a little little back-to-back, the, the Laravel Worldwide Meetup. So the one on the 25th is going to be a little precursor to the Laracon online which is happening on the 26th so 
Nice little teaser. Yeah, a little for bit sure. Of a, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. I'm a little bit nervous that I'm the <laughs> the, the supporting act for Laracon online. Dude, you'll be great. You'll do great. Is there? It's like in the in the bit I've watched so far, it's very entertaining. So no nerves, no nerves needed. You'll do awesome. You're biased. I need to get this into the hands of some people that don't like me. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't like you that much. So you're, no, you're in safe hands. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've got Microsoft announcing some bad news for us. What's up, dude? Microsoft has announced that they will drop official support of PHP on Windows. So Dale Hurt, who is the project manager for PHP inside of Microsoft, announced on the PHP mailing list that Microsoft will no longer offer official support of PHP on Windows starting from version 8. Oh, no. For most of us, it's not going to mean too much. Just because it's being dropped as an official thing doesn't mean that the community will not pick it up and continue supplying uh, PHP. So the PHP will still work on uh, windows moving forward and it's a missing context microsoft essentially runs the windows.php.net website and produces all of the official builds of php for windows which includes php.exe and mod php and um, dll and things like that or whatever other web um, implementation you are uh, using when you're using microsoft's built in php or you're compiling it yourself um, so this just means that Microsoft aren't going to be producing the official uh, builds of PHP from version 8 onwards. It doesn't mean that nobody will, and it doesn't mean that PHP won't still be available on uh, the, on Windows platforms. So most likely the project is going to, the PHP project itself is going to dust off a machine somewhere in the cloud running Windows, likely using a free license generally provided by Microsoft, and set up some automated build process to make these in-house or as part of the PHP project itself rather than Microsoft doing that. Um, the machines will be set up and maintained by the same people who did the official builds at Microsoft just as like a side thing rather than the people being at Microsoft doing it by Microsoft. So we're all still in the initial reaction phase here, but the bottom line is that there's very little likely to change with this. So you might have seen this yeah. out on the internet and uh, Microsoft's not doing it. It, it just means that Microsoft is not going to compile the Xs. It doesn't mean that PHP won't be available on uh, Windows moving forward. So... And we've got some links to the announcement on the mailing list and and some further explanation on what that is if you're interested. Um, there's some links to Reddit and Hacker News on, on the topic as well. So definitely check those out. They will be in the show notes. Awesome. We're going to move on to packages now. So we've got Postgres range types support for Laravel 7. So uh, I did not know this. I was just finding this out during this reading. But Postgres uh, range types are a thing. So you have uh, date ranges, timestamp ranges, float ranges, integer ranges, and big integer ranges. Uh, and so previously, there was no uh, Postgres grammar uh, to allow the definition of these within your migrations. So Belamov is the name of the developer who uh, created this package, which allows for you to provide range support to Eloquent for the Postgres database. So uh, the main features of this package include extending Laravel's Postgres grammar and Postgres connection classes to provide a fluent API for range columns, support for the following Postgres ranges, which are date range, uh, TS range, timestamp range, num range, int range, and time range. So there's also a number of query build macros for convenience, such as where range contains, and then you can put in a left and a right uh, property. And then you also have model property casting. So if you remember in Laravel 7, they were introducing this whole casting thing uh, where you can cast different values in the database to uh, particular classes. So they have model property cast is, uh, casts provided as part of the package as well. So you can learn more about the package and get full instru- installation instructions at bellamov slash postgres slash, I'm sorry, dash 
range, or you can just check it out in the show notes as well. We've got this Laravel boilerplate 7.0 we talked about a little bit before the show as well. Michael, talk to me about that. What's that about? Laravel boilerplate is a project from Anthony Rapper, um, which is a project that he's built from the ground up in a rebuild that took nearly four months to complete. And this is a project that's been going around for about five years. But some of the core out-of-the-box features that you get in Laravel Boilerplate version 7 are user dashboards, account management, two-factor authentication, social login, and recapture support, as well as back-end things such as dashboards for your admin users, user and role management, the ability to impersonate users, change passwords, activate and deactivate accounts, clear sessions, and a whole heap of additional features like uh, support for JSON language files, wildcard roles and permissions, time zone support, activity logs, breadcrumbs, password history and expiration, and many, many more things. It's essentially a good way to kickstart a new project. If you're looking for something to to kick the tires on, if you're wanting to start a new personal project, if you need something for work and, and you're not quite in a position to invest in something like Laravel Nova or I think it's Backpack is the other one, um, you just want to try something out, um, Boilerplate is another thing that you can check out uh, we will have links to the project um, as well as uh, to a demo application in the show notes. But uh, we can check that out. And thanks to Anthony Rapper for all the work that he puts into that project. Awesome. We've also got this Laravel deletable trait. So this is a package to handle deletion restrictions on your eloquent models gracefully. So it provides a restricts, uh, I'm sorry, it restricts deletion trait for models that you'd like to control deletion. Then all you have to do is provide a is deletable uh, method, and then you can return a Boolean, right? A true or false statement. Mm-hmm. So when a model's is deletable method returns false, a model exception occurs if you're trying to delete it. So you can learn more about the package and get full installation instructions on the or in the show notes. Like an example of when you might want to do this, right? Is um, I suppose if you, I'm trying to think through if how you'd want to implement this, why you wouldn't just implement this doing something using something like a policy. Um, but I suppose if you wanted to enforce it at the model layer instead of at like a policy level, then I suppose so you could do it this way. It may be that, for example, the user is authorized to, to delete, but perhaps you're not allowed to delete something that's less than six months old. Oh, sure. That's a great example. For example, like you, you have to keep something for audit purposes. So whilst the user may be able to broadly delete records, this is possibly another way of dealing with it. Um, when you're handling restricting deletion, I, I that's one thing I can think of. I I guess that's something that you could do within your policy. You could add those checks, but then it means you need to add that to each of your policies. Whereas this, you can just do it by adding, like say if you wanted to have um, restrict deletion on blog posts and users and like pages, there's three places that you need to to like update a policy and keep it up to date and things like that. Whereas if you put it right in the model, then the model is the single source of truth for that kind of behavior. So that's a great example. That's an excellent example. Yeah. um, Yeah. So it's just kind of another layer to put a little bit more behavior uh, or logic in Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. We've also got this one last thing here, the mighty illuminate request object, the mighty illuminate request object. It is a nice in-depth article from everyone's favorite human, Paul Redmond. Thank you. Where he talks about, um, the mind-blowing capacity of the underlying HTTP foundation component. 
Uh, to quote Paul, in my opinion, it is one of the most essential packages supporting modern PHP web applications. The HTTP foundation fills in the gaps from core PHP features with a friendly object-oriented interface for requests and responses. Within the Laravel framework, you would be more familiar with the Illuminate request and response objects that benefit from the underlying HTTP foundation component through inheritance and provide an excellent developer-friendly API on top of the core classes that is a delight to use. And so in this post, Paul explores some of the syntactic sugar and useful methods that Laravel provides as part of the Illuminate request object and talks about interacting with content types, talks about interacting with input, with um, with flash data and uh, macros and more inf- more things like that, and how you can sort of extend and and implement features into the request object to really make it your own and, and tackle your own use cases um, right within your code. So it's a, he's right. It's a it's a hugely powerful tool. Most of us don't scratch the surface of it. Probably most of us wouldn't do anything more than maybe using a request object and adding some methods to that. But there's so much under the hood that you have access to um, if you need it. And so this is a really good article to, to dive into if you want to learn more about the, the underlying tooling that really underpins pretty much the entire lifecycle of a, of a Laravel application in most scenarios. Yeah, and if you're like me, you'll read this article and be like, oh my gosh, I've invented that solution a couple of times and that's already in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things where like, if you don't source dive the application code, like you don't even realize that something like uh, exactly what you're looking for is in there. So you end up rebuilding it yourself like, okay, what is the, con- you know, what sort of header am I getting for, um, you know, content, uh, whatever accepts what is that one what am i looking for yeah accepts header thank and you content type headers. that's exactly right yeah like i know for a fact i've checked those myself before um mm-hmm. and this just makes it really simple so definitely worth a read for sure and like you said everybody's favorite human paul mr paul redmond uh he always does a great job with these write-ups so nice job paul and the icon's really sweet too i like that one it's a nice Nice little header for that for that yeah. blog post. Well, hey, man, that wraps it up for episode 123. Anything else we want to say before we wrap the show? I have nothing further to add at this time. <laughs> so diplomatic. You should run for office, you know? Uh, Michael yeah. for prime minister. Dorinda. Prime minister Dorinda. <sighs> Don't need the stress. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to episode 123. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 123. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. We'd love to hear from you. Any comments or questions or uh, harassment, you know, we take it all. Good, bad, the ugly. You take the good with the bad. And then, of That's course, it. if you liked the show, which we hope you did, we would really appreciate if you'd rate this up five stars and your podcatcher of choice would be amazing. Or... Uh, just retweet us when we when we tweet out that there's a new episode out there. That'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. You know what? Next time, I'm going to commit us. I'm going to commit us to saying next time that we have this show, we are going to do three items from the community links because we haven't talked about community links in a while. But I know there's tons of amazing content in community links. And uh, we just uh, usually run out of time. But if we commit to doing it next time, I think, I think we should. It's It's been a while. So if, if you have a community link, when you hear this episode, now is between now and a week, two weeks from now, um, add your links. Make sure they're in there. Tweet us if you tweet add us. them so that we are aware of them. Yeah, people who tweet us are going to have a better chance of actually getting on the show because we'll remember. But, uh, but yeah, awesome. 
everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.